0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Operation Limitless. I'm Brett Lechtenberg. I'm here with Sal Rossano, Mark Peterson, Bill Schiffenauer, and this is the show where you hear directly from people who are in the top 1% in the world of who they are and what they do. We focus on how average people ended up achieving incredible triumphs to confidence, grit determination, and a quest for personal mastery. The goal is to take the commonalities of these incredible human beings and create models in which others can copy, duplicate. And today we have the honor of being with with Mr. Brian Seth. Uh, Brian is one of the top bankers in all of America. In fact, top banker with Bank of America, now moving to Merrill Lynch. And we're going to pick his brain on how he became so awesome at what he did, how he helped so many people through the pandemic with what he did, and what he kind of see. We're going to ask him to look into a crystal ball, and tell us what he sees for the future in, in kind of our economy that kind of stuff and and hear about some of his incredible accomplishments besides that because he's done some really cool things so brian welcome to the show how are you today
1: very good you,
0: the crowd's going around <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> brian you you've had an incredible career in finance and business i think it's fair to say uh, mm-hmm. can you kind of give us your backstory? Uh, where are you from? How you went through your journey? How you ended up in where you are now? There in, in uh, Silicon Valley, and what you've got going? Just kind of a brief overview, and then we'll dive into some
1: questions. Yeah, sure. Um, um, so, uh, pleasure to be um, on this, and uh, good
2: to good to chat um, and you know uh, discuss um, about success story, failures,
1: everything. Um, <laughs> So um, by background, um, I did um, uh, my, uh, my, uh, uh, my master's from UK and then uh, been in the field of uh, you know, equity and debt uh, kind of
2: financing
1: for different kind of project financing in different uh, technologies um, uh, around the world. And traveled and you know, did projects uh, in different parts of the world.
0: And Ryan, um, your, your volume's going from really clear to kind of muffled. So I'm not sure what's mm-hmm. going on there. Is it, is it better? It, it's okay at the moment. Yeah, it just kind of goes in and out.
1: Okay. Uh, if, if there is a problem, then and I will uh, switch to my... It's um,
0: really clear. That's louder right there. It's clearer. I don't know if you're okay. doing anything
1: different. Um, yeah. So and uh, being I've uh, been in project financing and
2: equity financing
1: for um, many years um moved over here in 2015 uh 16 um and uh, been working uh in, in the field of finance uh, from then
0: brian can you I, I don't know maybe let's switch out instead of your earbuds to something else let's see, let's start. Okay. is it right.
2: this is better
0: That's a lot better, yeah. We can edit that part out. Okay. Okay. We'll we'll just edit that little transition out. So, Brian, give us – I mean, that was really general. Give us a little more detail. You had your own company for a long time. You had some big success and some big crash, too, and and I think that's important as many old people do. And what you're doing – can you share a little bit about that? Because overcoming adversity is something that this podcast is all about, and you have exhibited that tremendously.
2: Yeah, um, you know, like uh, we all go through, um, if you are 40, you will have one at least uh, messed up uh, thing in your life. Um, eh, If you have done something, uh, then uh, that's a part of it. Um, So, you know, I also started a few companies, Uh, some became successful, some failed, so it's a part and, you know, you learn through the process that, um, you know, some, some succeed, some fail. Yep
0: what 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 do you give us one a piece of advice on what now looking back on some things that have been successful and some that have failed what's a piece of advice for someone to help them with how to be successful and the second part of that is when you have a fail when you have a big hmm. tank what's your, what's a piece of advice for coming back from that
2: Yeah. no so answering to your second question first that if some something doesn't work out uh, and and there is a failure or an epic failure then i i think so the best uh, thing is to start again small and uh, start taking action and uh, the analysis paralysis the quicker you come out we we all uh, you know something happens our natural instinct is to analyze what went wrong etc and i think so what i have learned is that you start picking uh, start taking uh, you know you start again uh, maybe a smaller goal or a smaller task start taking action. And within that you get the answers, what worked out and didn't by analyzing alone doesn't so quickly start taking action um, Move on and, and and do that. Um, That's the, that's the best way uh, to, to come out of that situation. Yeah.
0: What about question one? What's the best, what's the, what's your number one key to success as you start to build? Or, or, Or do you think it is the same?
2: No, I think so. The, the, I think so. the most important is, is um, that um, the, the whole purpose is to take action. Um, outcome is not the purpose of taking action, but to consistently refine and enjoy your action is the real key to success. If you enjoy that, then um, then uh, you know, the, what quote, quote unquote success is measured externally is a byproduct. But the real success internally uh, is you enjoy what you are doing and um, you, you, are, you are really um, refining your action uh, and mastering your actions, you know.
3: Fair. Yeah, sounds like you got a question. So, so Brian, obviously it's pretty obvious, like you're, you're one of the top bankers in, in America and, and obviously if you're one of the top in America, you probably fall in line with being some of the top in the world as well. Um, that's kind of what I found in a lot of areas. Um, I think a lot of people like when they hear being the number one banker for the last three years, I think it was, Mm -hmm. what are your KPIs for you to actually be the number one banker? So what does it take? How do they measure it? You know, help people understand that are watching this. Like, what does it take to be the number one banker in Mm -hmm. your field?
2: I think so, the first thing number one banker or banker is is, uh, is again an out of um, you know, I won't go into the number and et cetera, but it's just that being successful and in, in the role as a as a banker. Um, I think so it's it's true with any profession. I think so that uh, you you have a certain amount of skill, you have a certain amount of uh, knowledge and a lot of uh, you know a lot of uh, good execution, you enjoy what you are doing um i think so that's that's the you know that's the simplest thing yeah uh, but you enjoy so b- banker and since i enjoyed entrepreneurship i like working with entrepreneurs um at soul at heart i'm an entrepreneur so you enjoy being and uh, you understand the the you know the the challenges what a young entrepreneur would go through young means somebody starting out i'm not saying by age but i'm saying somebody starting out um and you 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 have personally gone through the process of that. Uh it it's a great joy to work with that and you know uh helping them and that's the key, I think so. Cool.
4: Mm-hmm. Mark? What advice would you what advice would you give someone who is looking at investing right now at this crazy sort of market mm-hmm. that we're in? Mm-hmm. Um where would they if someone came to you and said, look, I've got $10,000, mm-hmm.
2: where should I put that?
4: And this is not financial advice.
1: Yes,
2: of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, uh, there are, of course, so many, uh, so much information, but I think so. The first thing is you want to be out of debt before investing. Um, so if you are, uh, if you are not out of debt, then the first thing is to be out of debt. Um, okay, that's good advice. Yeah. So rather than uh, chasing, oh, I could uh, put in some crypto or A, B, Z stock and I can double my money. That lust uh, is only going to lose the money. Um, it, it's not uh, going to work. It's better to buy a lottery and chances of winning is much better than doubling your money and chasing something as a stock if you are in debt. If somebody is in debt, so first thing is to to come out of debt. So it kind of sounds like the first thing is
4: invest in yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Be be solid. Be zero at, in debt, and then and then put some money somewhere else.
2: Yeah. So you know we hear all the them, but mainly it's a credit card debt. Except your home, if it is there and it's building you an asset. Most all other debt is is um, is a bad debt in a sense, not a good debt. Whether it's a car, whether it's a personal loan, whether it's student loan or credit card or anything. If you have any of those above, except the home, then you know uh it should be the first goal to to get out of it
4: okay mm-hmm. yeah because it's uh i mean this is probably a conversation that we could go down a, a rabbit hole here but it almost seems like the credit system the way we rate credit for consumer credit mm-hmm. is they want you to be the more you owe somebody the mm-hmm. more you can borrow but it almost seems like if you're debt free mm-hmm. And you've proven that you don't. You're able to pay all your obligations off. You usually have the worst credit scores ever.
2: Um, Mark. Uh, yes and no. You are. It's a partial truth. Uh, the thing is that, you know, to have a credit card, so for example, is not bad. To have balances on the credit card is bad. Um. Uh, so. So that is the real thing. Uh, uh, in regards, but- of,
1: student loan, of, uh, course. of course.
2: I'm taking okay. sorry, yeah, I
1: mean, no, my voice. No, sorry. I'm going to.
0: We can hear you. Yeah, yeah, I can hear my voice. Uh,
2: somebody,
1: uh, somebody,
0: somebody
2: must be, be on. on or, I, don't, I don't know.
1: I'm going to be in your self testimony. Okay. okay. Yeah. No, no still still I, can, I, can I can hear, hear my voice. voice. Probably or, or
0: something. something. I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm going okay. to. Well, us all, and hopefully i will take that away
1: yeah uh,
2: okay uh, can i can you hear me yeah okay so i, I think you are mark you are right that uh, you want credit worthiness and not credit so um, if it is a what what i was referring if it's a prolonged uh, credit where somebody has been you know keeping credit all through the life whether it's credit card or personal loans and never paying it off it's a temporary phenomenon somebody required and paid off yes it builds credit but um, one doesn't need to be in debt to have a good credit score. Uh, uh, if you are making a timely payment, then yes, it's good. But uh, the most important thing is not to be in debt. Yeah. And and people also correlate that the, be- the fastest way to build credit is through credit card uh, revolving. To have the credit and have the responsibility of paying off every month, that builds credit. You don't need long-term debt to build credit. Uh, so that's another myth people have that you need to have a lot of debt to have a good credit score. Uh, you need credit worthiness to, to go be a good credit score. Yeah.
0: So, so Brian, just because we're having a little bit of echo, mm-hmm. uh, well guys, we'll just pull ourselves on and off, uh, yeah. and keep the rest of the muted. Bill had a question. So, um,
3: right. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. Go ahead. So Brian, um, Obviously, in your field, what you do in the financial space, you you work with probably some of the most successful people out there Mm -hmm. um, that have financial freedom, financial success, so on and so on. Mm -hmm. Um, For our listeners out there, Mm -hmm. what is like maybe one or two things you notice about your clients that you work with that are very Mm -hmm. successful, like best practices, you know, what do they do? That we see so many else, so many other people out there think they're doing it the right way, but completely do it the wrong way. Um, so how do we how do we tap into like what is that mindset of your clients that, that are successful? What is that like for them, and, and and how do we get that across to other people out there?
1: Um,
2: I think the number one thing is uh, is your ability to generate income, um, and uh, I would say that not and not people who have been financially successful in a sense or have wealth uh necessarily have good financial habits uh so it is just that they had a skill set um which helped them to generate a lot of wealth like we see sports personalities for example right they may be exceptionally good in their skills so that's why they get signed up they get large amounts but are they financially they having good financial habits not uh, do they get broke? Many of them. Uh, so what it teaches is that one is your ability to generate income is dependent on your, that's your number one thing for success. And then the step two is uh, you are prudent and having good financial habits um, to then maintain that wealth. It's like exercise or weight, right? You may crash it, you may do something, you may be it. And so it's easy to lose Um, your physical fitness if you are not disciplined about it. And I think so the same is even more, uh, uh, you know, magnified in the financial world. You require just one or few big ticket mistakes and you could be perpetually in debt. Mm
5: -hmm. Hey, Brian, I got a question for you. Having dabbled on a very small level um, Mm -hmm. in the finance world coming out of college, Mm -hmm. it's, it's an extremely competitive arena. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes there's days you are just like, well, for me, I won't talk about you for me. Sometimes there's days you're just like, I can't do this. This is ridiculous. This is too Mm -hmm. hard. Or, you know, things aren't going well. People don't want to, you know, build relationships with me. So how would, when you have moments like that, like, how do you, how would you suggest people kind of get out of that mindset of feeling defeated when you have continuous, because I mean, if I'm not mistaken, when you're building relationships and you're starting out, not like you, but when you're starting out, mm-hmm. it, it's pretty much a numbers game. The, mm-hmm. You know, the more contacts you have, the more people you touch, the the greater the, the possibility of building relationships. So mm-hmm. when somebody is struggling in a sense like that with any business, not just the yeah. finance world, yeah. mm-hmm. what would you be your advice to for someone to to keep going and to be able to continue that mission and exceed and achieve what something like you have,
2: yeah, no, I can I can share what has worked for me, um, and I think that um, the number one thing in in our role where it's a relationship driven or you know completely business uh, development uh, where mm-hmm. the main thing is business development. What and as as I said, I have just moved a few years ago. But what has really worked for me is that uh, you want to to provide such exceptional service to a select few in the beginning that they are so happy with the service that they evangelize your service. So, so that word of mouth brings the highest uh, success. And then it catches fire. The initial thing is tough, but the, my always focus is uh, that can I really provide that exceptional service? And especially if somebody is highly networked person, as say, for example, a doctor or a realtor or a CPA, or somebody who is uh, all the time meeting the kind of people which I would like to have as my clientele, there I would go even over and above and build a personal rapport and really, really uh, provide that exceptional out of the, you know, uh, going out of the way to provide them So that they are so happy with this that they choose to evangelize my, you know, my services to others.
5: Sure. And and if if I'm understanding, I mean
2: your your work
5: ethic is a big piece of that, right? I mean you're
2: Yeah. And also intentional is that that you are providing over and above and being mindful, is this person somebody who can be, you know, who I can. Of course, everyone I would provide the service, but somebody who is having that amazing network um, and, and and is in a position of power or, you know, as a profession where, uh, you know, people are coming to him, him or her, provide such exceptional service and provide a relation and build a personal rapport with them that uh, they would start evangelize. And I never then ask them for a referral. Uh, typically, they would start referring to others. Oh, I'm so happy! You should speak with him, and that resulted in my uh, success over here. Yeah.
5: And so this is the last part, and then I will let the other guys ask questions too. But even if you do provide that service and it doesn't go the way you you mm-hmm. hope, like how mm-hmm. do you how do you deal with that? How do you overcome that?
2: Yeah, and, and I think so. It's just um, consistently trying to exceed the expectation uh, of others. And again, the strategy is always to to set their expectation lower. When you are promising something, I would always say, look, somebody says, oh, I want this. I would generally say, see, most likely I will not be able to help you. That's my first line, but I can try. So rather than saying the other way around, oh, yes, I can do this, which I know with certainty almost that I can do it also, I would always keep the expectation uh, level very, very low um and i would say you can try i may try um most likely i may not be able to we are very difficult to get anything done i mean you know the environment or other things is there but let me try my best you know something like that yeah and and it's nothing wrong in what i'm saying because things can you know no we work in an ecosystem i'm not the decision maker in regards to any anything that the bank makes it's an ecosystem uh, but at the same time, you're setting the expectations so low that anything that you do, then it's about meeting expectation, and so they feel happy about it. Yeah.
0: So, so Brian, you kind of are really a proponent of under promise, over deliver.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and uh, just for everybody that's listening to this, Brian told me the other day. And I hope this is okay to share. You already hit your 2023 goals this year already, right? You've hit the goals you had set for for. personal growth in your business Mm -hmm. Uh, by the end of the year you said you said it like you hit it like a week ago right yeah Mm -hmm. we're in the we're in the third week of january and brian's already hit his goals so Mm -hmm. you're talking to a guy who knows how to perform at a super super high level in in his field so mark uh look like maybe you had a question i'll mute
4: myself So the question I have is in your forecasting models, whatever that model looks like, Mm -hmm. uh, no doubt you're taking into account all of the local uh, Mm -hmm. environment and global environment and everything else as you set goals, Mm -hmm. not just for yourself, but I mean, you're setting goals on behalf of Merrill Lynch, you're setting goals on behalf of a company that is expecting you to perform as you're forecasting with, the stuff that's going on right now within the world, what do you what are, are you afraid of? Are you afraid of anything coming up? Is there anything that uh, that you look at and go, yeah, this is something that we should be careful with?
2: Um, if if I understood your question, at, at again. Uh, uh, First thing, nothing to do with Merrill. I'm just saying that as an individual, if somebody is coming and we are discussing about finances, um, it it's purely on an individual's risk and where they are in their financial journey. What happens at the macro level um, is is less impactful. Uh, rather, it's always an opportunity uh if if there is a bad time then also it's a great opportunity and it's a good time then also it's a great opportunity is just that where that person is in his uh her her financial journey um and um and depending on that uh you make the decisions i'm talking about financial decisions of investing right yeah financial decisions of investing rather this is a great time if anyone wants to be super rich successful in investing they are mindful they would sit on cash every time the market drops you you double down and you you then ride the wave so yeah
4: i guess i've heard that the the great yeah. depression made more millionaires than yeah. uh, than yeah. any other yeah. time
2: yeah and even now there is so much opportunity uh, out there um that uh, especially we do alternate investments uh since there are so many startups over here the valuations have so much fallen down so it's so many good companies unicorn which are still not getting public listed uh, in the process in two years three years one can get an, a piece of action to that which can lead to super hyper growth uh, of health, yeah
4: awesome all right so um in, in the in the in, in your business mm-hmm. no doubt you mentor people you give uh, advice to other people Mm-hmm. um what is the uh what, what's the sort of the sign of a rising star right now in the investment world what would you uh how would you how would you notice that there's this guy's going to go somewhere what, what 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 would those attributes be
2: uh, in the business in in a startup which which company could could grow yeah exactly yeah. yeah so i think so it's um uh in uh, again in which stage of the uh, of the company it is if it's an idea stage it's very difficult to know um, what uh, this company would end up but the moment it has got a traction and the product market fit um is one thing and then the second thing is of course the entrepreneur so if those two things are good then uh, it's 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 always um uh, one can easily know uh, can guess again uh, but there are so many near death situation in an entrepreneur journey um we see this is a graveyard. Silicon Valley is a graveyard for, for companies. Uh, out of so many companies uh, that fail, one rises out of the ashes or few rises out of the ashes. So, yeah, it's always difficult, but uh, one can easily, um, one can make a good guesstimate about it.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Be, Brian, be a little more granular for us with that. What does IBS mean? There's plenty of people who don't know what that means. Huh? Huh? I believe you use the term, the acronym IBS. Um, initial, I don't know what it stands
2: no, for. AIM, uh, uh, alternate investments, basically a, a, AIM. Yeah. Alternate investments market. Yeah. So basically before it goes public or IPO, uh, which are not traded on, on a stock exchange, just before that you invest in those companies and, um, take an action into that. Yeah.
0: Can the average person have access to something like that?
2: Yeah, if they are if they are um, qualified investors, so in a sense they have a certain amount of what they call accredited investors. So if they have um, a certain amount of net worth, they have certain amount of wealth. Then uh, and only as advisors. uh, Since uh, just to put a caveat, I'm still in my process of getting the licenses. I'm still not a licensed uh, financial advisor. So very clear that I'm not giving any advice over here. We are just talking as friends. Uh, But um, but. uh what what um, my partner which i'm joined uh, basically anyone uh, w- w- uh the firm will allow to suggest also is only a certain portion of their wealth and not all of that into uh, into this because it's a risky proposition without any doubt yeah,
0: yeah I, th- I think i think what happens with the average person is they don't realize the number of classifications of investor and where you ha- what you have to have in order to be able to invest in certain products or in certain opportunities i don't i don't know how many people actually know that that kind of thing yeah. is, is a system and it's designed maybe you could talk a little bit about the system so people could have some understanding because i i don't think 99 of people know how this works
2: yeah uh so in regards to the alternate investments you have to have an x net worth uh you require a financial advisory company most likely uh, so that uh, they are properly guiding in regards to where to invest. Uh, the entrepreneurs are vetted. It's not the you know the penny stocks <laughs> which we hear about, <laughs> and somebody creating the miracle something uh, as as a longevity pill or something. So you want to know <laughs> that uh, that it's it's a genuine you know well vetted company, and uh, there is a serious uh, due diligence done and.
1: Uh, it's, it's, it's Yeah.
4: Um,
3: so Brian, I kind of have a two part question too. and Part of it kind of echoes a little bit what Mark was saying.
1: Sure.
3: Um, you know, obviously again, you, you work with a lot of individuals and groups that that are starting companies, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: How, how important do you think it is? This is the first question. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and, and, and I'll, I'll preface it with this, like, obviously the dynamic between operational limitless, like we, we really, are a, a, a very unique team, right? Mm-hmm. But we will, we will find success one way or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with one of my technology companies. I haven't told you about this, but mm-hmm. our, our team is the same way. We, we literally just signed on and partnered with Lloyds of London. Mm-hmm. So when, when you meet with people that are talking about doing a startup or they've got this business idea, mm-hmm. how, how much do you stress to them mm-hmm. the importance of the team dynamic for their
2: their venture they're about to go on yeah i think so uh uh, i think so the one very clear cardinal rule for success for somebody really growing and scaling is to focus on culture and um, if the culture is not right um, then you are going to attract you the culture you build will attract the kind of people who will end up in your company
1: yeah Uh,
2: and culture is not just related to performance. It is mainly to do with communication. We talk a lot about how, how communication goes within the organization um, uh, and, um, and also, of course, the work ethics and et cetera. But every company has to define what's unique culture they are trying to build within their organization and uh, the nuances around it, um, what they value within the team, uh, within their company as a culture. And really write down their values, not just for the heck of writing, but the founder is very much, it's like you are writing your constitution of your company, uh, what, what you are going to value, what is uh, what is uh, non-negotiable and negotiable within the, within the culture, and mainly is not missing out on non-negotiables. People write, oh, it has to be, um, work ethics has to be there, this has to be there, open community. But what should not be there is far more important than what should be there. If okay. that clarity is there, what is completely non-negotiable in our culture? Uh, okay. and, and if if top three or top five things are known, then I think so it becomes very easy.
3: Okay, uh, second part of that question is, again, being one of the top 1% in what, in your field, obviously there comes a lot of education, hands-on, so on, so on. But what do you do individually away from the bank away from the education that keeps you sharp and keeps you going and keeps you at the top of your game? Um,
2: uh, I think, um, uh, And I mean, again, each profession may be different, but I think so uh, being, um, reading wide broadly on different subjects and being a voracious reader, I think uh, really helps to expand. Um, And of course, YouTube is there and we all listen to podcasts and it's also good. I think so. The democratization of 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 wisdom—it's not just now information, knowledge, but wisdom has happened so much. It's just that knowing what to what to listen, what to read, and having that uh, you know wider, um, wider hunger uh, hunger for wider, broader knowledge spectrums is uh, is very important.
0: Uh, Brian, I'm going to follow up with, to Bill's question a little bit um, on and. Because I know this about you, you're working on, what, your fifth language that you speak now?
2: Yeah, but that's, um, that's not something...
0: That's part of building knowledge, right? Being able yeah. to communicate with people across yeah. multiple channels. Uh, you see that as very important, correct? Correct.
2: Yeah, I, I really enjoy that, and I think so. No, no matter. How, I think so. The with the with the advent of technology, I think so. The AI and linguistic uh, tools, and you know, all this will happen. But then also, I think so. Having a skilled uh, language um, does help to connect at an at an personal level, at a deeper level, and doesn't need to be a master of that language. But ability to understand and communicate, um, you know, um, uh, communicate. Uh, some things that at a very uh, clear level uh, will be good. It doesn't need to be exceptional, but working communication day-to-day uh, uh, skill set also comes in a particular language, then it's, uh, it's uh, very good,
1: yeah. Sure.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So it looks like you have, a, do you have a question?
5: Yeah, well, not a question, more of a comment on what Brian was saying about culture. It's, um, and I think I've told you guys before. I've read a book called "Primal Leadership," and the leadership in that book, they talk about how, you know, the 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 biggest overlooked leadership trait for a successful business and the culture is the emotional intelligence of the leaders, mm-hmm. and whether or not they are in tune with what they present out, what they, uh, how they address people, and Basically, without sounding redundant, what kind of culture are they presenting? And I think I think it's extremely important that, you know, if you have a leader that doesn't understand his own emotional intelligence and the way they deal with people or teach people or solve conflict, it it doesn't promote a culture that is, you know, ready to thrive or to move on. And I think that's a that's a big point that's probably overlooked quite a bit. So Mm. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm.
0: I agree with you. So I, I mean, every month I teach a leadership course, right? And I actually pull lessons from um, emotional intelligence lessons as part of those monthly leadership lessons, because I think that that is hugely overlooked, right? In in what we do and in leadership in general, right? We we sometimes will focus on a communication model, um, or you might focus on a specific set, a way that you're going to, evaluate your business like you, whether you're gonna use KPIs or OKRs or you know whatever measurement. We think that's the thing, but it's really not like Brian's saying I, I just can't emphasize enough. I think he's right with the, the the culture of the environment and the and then how to pick appropriate frameworks in which to work from. Um, I you know I was just on a podcast the other day we were talking about teamwork and what they thought about teamwork wasn't even teamwork building, and I broke down to them, you know, have you considered this uh, framework more like this? And it was like eye opening. They hadn't. They had been looking at things from a from a totally different perspective, and it was, and they couldn't figure out why their team wasn't going so well because they weren't even actually looking at how to build a good team. What they were talking about wasn't teamwork building, but it. To them, it was, I guess is the way to say it. And their culture was falling apart. And so, I don't know, anything you want to, Mark, anything you want to jump in on that? You mean, you have to build culture fast when you were taking people through the agogi and doing things like that.
4: Yeah, obviously, um, any of the endurance events, typically, and Sal can attest to this just because you can get a new member uh, of, a, of a special forces group and that person has to assimilate very, very quickly uh, in order to be part of that culture and that group. But more so in the mountaineering community is uh, our, is that culture um, sort of force fed to you because in what I used to guide on Kilimanjaro or Rainier, um, you're, you're taking someone in, an, in a moment that, has the same goals. They all have the same goal. We all have the same goal. We want to get to the top of the mountain. But my goal is completely different than the person that I'm guiding, because my goal is to get that person back to the trailhead alive with having ascended the mountain. Most of my clients just cared about the mountain. Safety was not their concern. They just wanted to come home and say, I had stood at the top of Kilimanjaro. So that whole cultural exchange and that ability to just look at someone and say, you know, there's four guides, there's 12 clients, and we're all going to make it to the top. And this is how we're going to do it. Um, that culture has to get built in hours, in hours, not you don't have weeks, months or or years to build that culture. you you got to build that culture in the next hour.
3: True. Yeah. I I, w- I was going to say, too, I want to chime in. Um, you know, I, am in a pretty unique situation, Brian, you know, a little bit about that. I have the two technology companies, we have Operation limitless, um, and I have my own consulting coaching business too, but Mm -hmm. you know, one of the things, and and the whole reason I bring up or, or kind of, we bring up the whole culture thing is, you know, that's the one thing I look for as we're scaling both of our, well, all three of our businesses is the culture and the person that fits in. And Mm -hmm. I do that because as an Olympian, you know, Mark, you talk about somebody fitting in and and being able to assimilate quickly. I've literally switched guys on and off an Olympic team the day before an Olympic competition. And this is a person who's never been on your team. And, you know, when you bring that person in, it is extremely important to try and and bring that culture, get them to adapt and, and assimilate and pivot and, and next is the trust level that you have to have for that guy you bring on the team. Because if, the, if there's one mistake made game over, there's, there's no coming back. There's not a do over very similar to like, you know, the, the four of us in our respected fields, you know, and, and, and that's what we want to help teach other people that are watching this show that come to operation limitless is the, Extreme importance because I see it all the time in, in consulting when I'm working with clients all around the world. They're like, oh, I've got this team, but I've got this one person who's creating waves. And I and, and I eventually get to the point, and say, well, why is that person on your team? What is the value they bring to your organization? Mm-hmm. Um and, and, and it's it's always interesting because people will create excuses for somebody who's not performing on their team. Um, do you see that in your field with clients that you work with or?
2: So just to comprehend your question that do, do we see non-performing uh, colleagues or non-performing clients uh, and still they continue to be there or, or what? Yeah, Kind of a
3: combination of both. Like, what does that dynamic look like in the financial field? Because, I mean, you know, it, I know how here in Utah, you know, Silicon Slopes, very similar to like where you're at. You have all these people that are just bringing people on their team because they think they should be a part of the team. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you see a year later, two years later, three years later that it failed because they just brought somebody on without like understanding how important that person or that position is to the overall success of the
4: company.
2: Yeah. And I, uh, you know, uh, again, uh, you know, we all learn from our mistakes. And I think so. uh, One of the biggest thing what I learned when I was building and ramping up the company is that is to really have non-negotiable towards trustworthiness. And I think so So whether that person uh, can be trusted or non-trusted and the ability as, as a founder, as a leader, is to really see uh, and quickly uh, able to, uh, to analyze whether that person could be trusted or not trusted or how much integrity that person has or doesn't have. And I think the same would be with Mark. When you are doing mountaineering, you are risking each other's life um, and, uh, or, or the same is with business that, you know, um, you, you want somebody with integrity, uh, and whom you can trust. Um, and as I said, non-negotiables are far more important, um, in, in, uh, in filtering out, uh, who is a good fit and who is not a good fit. Um, uh, and, and uh, generally on hiring, never looking for education or background, these are there, they are, they are. They are valuable uh, metrics, but the most important is, uh, are the non-negotiables going to be compromised uh, by that person or, uh, or not? And sometimes a very high performer just could be extremely, extremely high performer, but as, Mar- uh, as I was saying, but lack a-, a complete devoid of emotional intelligence or completely a lopsided win-lose mentality uh, person is there. Can really damage the whole culture and the whole morale um, very badly i'm saying uh, but on the client side of course if the client is you know whatever their culture is whatever it is at the end of the day uh, like we don't if somebody's saying i want to do certain things we are very clear make as explicit as possible hey i want to do this crazy crypto we always say you can do that but we are not we are not a party to that you can certainly do all those crazy things you want to do uh, and good luck if you become a millionaire we would be very happy uh, for your success but we are not a party to to that Um, it's a kind of a thing so that's non-negotiable that um, we won't be a party and you know to be to be a part of that success um, where we feel that um, is, is, uh, is not uh, a wise thing to do. Cool. Yeah. What what internally the word uses is responsible growth. You want growth, but which is a very responsible, you know, responsible growth. Yeah. yeah. Hmm.
5: We, you know, it's interesting you talk about the metrics, Brian. Um, and I'm going to go to my special forces team because I was the team sergeant. So I was the second highest on the team. And so choosing the personnel that came onto the team lied as my responsibility. Mm. And the one thing that I tried to promote throughout our team was humility. And not because, you know, we had to hide our abilities, but because for me, humility Mm. was a statement to what that person was about. Mm. And I'll give you an example is one, you know, we're issued special uniforms for Mm. combat. Yeah where the rest of the army has issued the standard uniform. And we were on a base, and I said, hey, we're going to wear the standard uniform. Mm. And I had pushback from a gentleman, Mm. because he's like, why can't we wear these? I said, because that's my decision. We're going to do this. Mm. It was a very small moment, but what it it forecasted for me in the future was this guy was very selfish, Mm. and all he cared about was standing out in front of everybody, and that wasn't what I saw as a benefit to the team, because you're right. You look at the matrix of education or ability. It should be equal across the board, but it's the small intangible assets or characteristics of a person that make the difference on a team or in a business is, you know, are you willing to put the team or the company first yeah. for yourself? Right. And so, that was something that like it was very important to me to have someone that would come to the team humble Mm -hmm. because in that humility they would learn they would take input from people they'd be willing to you know better themselves and it was not all about them it was not them as the forefront of the team saying look at me so i couldn't agree more i think that's that's a really important aspect of selection yeah. Of anybody in any organization. And if you look at even the policing today, which is a whole nother topic, yeah. My my firm belief is that their selection process is completely flawed. Exactly. And that's why we have the issues we do. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Yep.
0: we we see that in the martial arts as well. So many people they get their black belt and then the biggest thing they want to do is how many stripes they can have on their belt. Yeah. Right. now, how high rank you, you appear and can signal that yeah. you are. And I'm I'm not putting anybody down who does that or say they do this, but my instructor, Mm. you know, his thing was always, we will never put anything on our belt other than your name. Yeah, You just simply should know and be Mm. able to project through leadership what your true rank is. Yeah. So he's one of the highest ranking grandmasters in all of Taekwondo. And he doesn't Mm. have a belt with anything on it other than his name why all of us all we ever have is our name and when our students come to us and say should we have how do we tell what rank we are you should just be able to tell yeah you should just be able to tell through your leadership and so creating i agree with you creating culture um you don't have to you don't have to do anything other than just be authentic and have a a framework and a model that you work from that is very empowering
2: yeah and one another observation i would share and you know uh, there could be so much science behind the the culture of hiring, uh, but it is still in at least in US, in UK, there is a clearly for important, like even in banking roles, they do psychometric tests. And basically, it's it's it, it, it no matter how much a person tries to hide his personality, it's it, it's impossible to hide. And uh, if a science based tool is used like that, uh, where you are asking general questions where they are intelligently framed and. Um, can really pick up the traits of a person. Whether this role is a team building, it's highly team driven role. Then you want a certain personality and certain skill set. And how much, uh, what kind of personality type uh, is there? At the same time, what is completely non-negotiable can easily be then figured out. That if if this is this culture is all about team uh, working in teams and there is no individual superstar, then you don't want somebody who is that. Uh, and if some task requires, yes, we welcome superstars. But then this kind of trades, then you know, it's it's easy. Well, I've I've seen less companies over year. None of the companies using probably legally, it may not be allowed, or I don't know. But I think so. Using creative um, uh, tools in hiring is a is the best way because just by asking questions, you will never know the personality. But when they take test and they are doing it, it um, it it really sh- shows up to a great degree their personality.
5: Yeah, Yeah, I love that because <laughs> as Mark knows, mountaineering is not for everybody. It, it takes a, a tremendous amount of effort to just yeah. walk up when you have nothing on your back. Yeah, and That was literally my interview for anybody that wanted to come on our team was, okay, we're going to go climb this mountain and we're going to carry stuff. And uh, you saw how quickly people were like, yeah, mountain team's not for me. I'm out. <laughs> And so they self-selected. I didn't even have to make the decision, but I love yeah. that.
2: I was in Himalayas um, over the Christmas. Uh, we can talk a little bit later. But, but yeah, know, yeah, uh, it was fun. Yeah. What, what country were you in? India. Yeah. India.
4: they very, very nice. Yeah. I, uh, I've only been uh, to the India side once. I was always, I was always in, uh, in, in, the, in, in Nepal or,
2: or Tibet. Tibet. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Perfect. We want
0: to be respectful of your time, Brian. I'm going to ask everybody to kind of give their last question. I'm going to go first. Um, and you obviously have special skills. You have something that's naturally that's great about you when it comes to finance, to business, right? You've, um, when did you know or when? Do, what was your defining moment of when you realized, you know, I think business is my thing that whether it's working with money and helping others or building your
2: own successful businesses, when did you know? I would still say that I'm not in the finance, actually. Uh, Numbers is not my, my, uh, you know, the real strength. But I think so, the more important, um, I think is, um, uh, it's either, you know, somebody creating uh, a valuable goods and service or basically, you know, wealth success um, and and going through the, you know, we go through the cycles of life. Uh, we have seen everything, uh, you know, I have seen virtually everything from, you know, uh, from extreme wealth to no wealth to wealth. And, you know, you go through the cycles and you have seen what really, uh, you know, uh, what really can bring, uh, you know, it's prosperity and peace together, what you can bring. And, and if that is a way I can, you know, uh, share my, my experiences of life in in a way that it can have a positive impact, then, you know, it drives that, yeah. It's not chasing the money, per se, you know, numbers, per se. That's not what I'm good with.
0: <laughs> well, you uh, you created a, a huge company at one point. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So there was a... It takes a special skill. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and, and I guess my question is really specifically... Well, when you when you got ready to start this, how did what made you decide to go after what you went after? Because your company was well, well over a hundred million dollars, right?
1: Yeah, but
2: uh, yes, uh, I think so. You know, n- number is is uh, one thing. I think so. The most important is is you know either you have perfected the product and then you are really trying to monopolize. Uh, or my always focus is can I hyper focus on a certain group of people who. Can really benefit from my product and i can explain them very easily i don't even need to explain to them but the value prop is so easy and simple to understand that the adoption becomes very easy so narrowing down rather than trying to capture everywhere in the whole world is to really narrow down the the clientele to begin with um uh, who could be the most uh, you know valuable to my product and service knowing very well what i'm offering and who could really benefit, uh, you know, and can afford it and benefit out of it, you know, kind of a thing. Affordability is equally important, um, and I think so. That's what I learned within that process. That if the same thing I would have tried over here by this time, I would have been wildly, wildly successful. But I choose the wrong market uh, where affordability was not there. So then there is no point. You will not succeed no matter they understand the value, but they cannot afford it. It's not point. Yeah.
0: So that's a a great piece of advice for anybody looking to even start a business or or try and scale is what you just said. There's a lot of granulars of wisdom right there.
2: And that's why, you know, brand new or or breakthrough technology or breakthrough thing is successful in America because the affordability that is, though smaller, but you can find a very large array of clients who can afford your services than anywhere else, you know if it is a right value fit and the value proposition is there, yeah. Right, mm-hmm.
0: Bill, do you have a um,
3: Yeah, I always like to kind of end with, um, you know, I, I, I have a lot of quotes of my own mm-hmm. um, and, and I have a lot of quotes that I like that other people written. Uh, one of those quotes is, is, happiness is when what you think, say and do are in alignment. So, do you have Do you have any quotes or models, life models that you live by um, that you think would be good to share with the with the audience? Um.
2: Again, I um. Uh, I have learned, uh, you know, my always is that what they use is um, to be a man of action. In a sense, you want to do things. The only joy you can get is not by what I've learned, you know, with having all the materialistic possession and everything uh, and and having it and not having it, everything in that uh, bandwidth. What I've truly un- understood is that the true joy comes with with real action, which you really like. Um Uh, possessing thing or having things will not give uh, the happiness joy or or perennial you know this the sense of um, what I would use the word um, uh, where you feel contented I think so the word contented that you feel contented all the time and you are not feeling that lack in you is through concrete form of action what you like to do what you do and I think so that's what I would focus on is choosing to do things every day what I like to do. Yeah. That brings joy, contentment. And I think so contentment is more important than anything else.
4: Mark, do you have a wrap-up question? Or So um, I, wrote, I wrote a couple of notes while you, you were mm-hmm. talking, Brian, about, about what your um, two keys to success are. I want to make sure I have them right. Is in, in the financial world, of course, the first one you said is the ability to generate income and then, second, you said the ability to manage that
1: income, manage
4: those funds.
1: Mm-hmm. Would
4: you say? Um, would you say there's anything else that follows up with that, or are those the two things that you think are the keys
1: to financial success?
2: Yeah, when I say the manage is basically how you spend it, invest it, uh, and and give. Uh, and I think so. All the three are equally important in managing. Um, and uh, knowing all the three very good, uh, I think so is when we say management, either you're spending it right, giving it right, or or investing it right. So all the three are equally important. Yeah. And when you're oh. talking, you talking charity or are you talking? Yeah. yeah, means giving is equally important so that, you know, the more we have that the more one has chosen, if they have a wealth and they are giving it. It has a great karmic, effect. I mean, it's, uh, this is what I have seen. And I think so it is, is there that when you have decided to give, the more you give, the more you get. And that is a universal, you know, unsend but I think so that your give is also known. And so you remove from being selfish and that fear, oh, I have this much and I have to use everything for myself. But even a small give is there, makes a big difference um, in your psyche about wealth. I think so. It's very important.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sal, how about you? Got a wrap-up question? Mm-hmm. Or Mark, did you have something else?
4: No, that was it. Thank you. That was, that was exactly what I wanted to know.
5: I do have one question, Brian. Do you miss me?
2: <laughs> do you miss me? Yes, absolutely. I I was telling Brad that uh, uh, never got a chance to come to Utah. Um, would love to come uh, whenever it's convenient and and spend uh, time. And then, you know, we could talk more, you know, if any way I could be of help uh, on, on your projects at the same time, of course, having the absolute pleasure and joy um, to spend time in person with you all together, that would be awesome.
5: Well, I, I might be out in California fairly in the next 30, 40 days. So I might have to ring you up again.
2: Sure. Absolutely. We'll look forward.
5: This time it's my treat. <laughs> And Brian,
0: we're we're gonna have you out. We've been arranging uh, a new adventure, and and uh, we envision yeah. you going through a slot canyon and racing through with a bobsled, and uh, doing some martial arts training with us over here in, in the not too distant future. So, yeah.
5: and then Brett volunteered for you to give him an IV. So we're going to. <laughs> I'm going to teach you how to do the IV, and then Brett's going to be our dummy. Yeah, yeah, that's right.
1: It's
0: just
3: sailing It's just Saline. It's just saline Don't worry. I, I just I just want to continue to pick your brain, Brian, as both of my tech companies are growing. Obviously, signing and partnering with Lloyds of London is a massive, massive deal. So no, no. interested to get your thoughts on that. But really appreciate your time today. So thank, thank you. you.
1: Thank you so much. I Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Thank, thank you for you.
0: being here, Brian. And always everybody um if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can reach out to us at OperationLimitless.com. or on all the social networks. And until next time, have a limitless day.
1: Thank you.